Welcome back to the Blunt Buddha Babe podcast, and I am so excited to introduce Hildy Dunn, who is an expert coach, and we actually dive deep into end of life and discovering your passions, and without further ado, we're just going to jump right in. Hildy, welcome to the Blunt Buddha Babe podcast. I'm so excited that you're here sharing your energy and your time with us. Thank you for being here. I am honored to be with you. I've been looking forward to this all day. So yay, we're here finally. (laughs) Yay, welcome. Okay, so I wanted to start just by asking you what your dharma is. My dharma is to really help people be happy and proud. And by that, I mean, it's not just for a result. It's for how you do anything, how you're doing whatever you're doing. Just really leads to a sense of satisfaction and pride and, you know, able to lay your head down each night, like satisfied. And what word of advice do you have for people who find that being proud almost kind of touches upon like bragging or any sort of feelings like that. How do you advise they navigate through that? That is such a, first of all, welcome to my world, right? Because I always thought humble was the way to go, but truthfully, that's not true. Being proud is just being clear as to what you care about the most and then taking right actions towards that. So it's not about bragging. It's really about being satisfied with knowing what you care about the most, knowing your heart, knowing what you care about, and just taking the a right action, not even getting the result. But what step are you taking today? And sometimes that means doing something hard. Sometimes that means like not even getting it right, failing, but failing with the idea of like I'm learning to, to retry again. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important of just being able to keep trying and to keep going and to not take failure to heart. Because I feel like I was like super, I was very much a people pleaser. And I felt that the second that I failed or the second that I let somebody down, like my world came crashing down and everything was terrible. But it's not until you learn to appreciate where you're at and be proud of yourself before you accomplish the goal. Yes. And I think bragging is telling somebody else you're doing something for an outside or external reason and really being proud of yourself from my perspective is like an inside job, Mm -hmm. what they're doing for yourself, which means even if you fail, it's like, there is no way to learn without failing. The thing and the things you care about the most are the things that are going to be the struggle for you. Or let me rephrase that. The things we're the most proud of are the things that we really struggled. Like if you think about it, uh, go back and go, what am I really proud of? It's not the stuff that just came easy. It's the stuff that you really had to put the stake in the ground for, learn something, be persistent about, uh, you know, really care about. And so... For me, 
failing is all part of that process. Definitely. How do you, how would you say that you discovered your Dharma? You know, from a little girl, I knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how. So, you know, part of my chores growing up, I have a twin sister. So one of us would wash and one of us would dry. So normally the way it went was she got the wash and I was the dryer. But as I would take the spoons, you know, and put them in the place where the spoons go and the forks go and the knives go, like I would lay them like I was a nurse and taking care of them and they were clean and they were healed and I was laying them in their bed. And then I put the next one. And so from the time I was a little girl, there was something in me about healing and teaching. Um, So I think it's been in me for forever. Like I would, the one that would be picking up the little ladybugs and taking them back outside or not wanting to kill the spiders, you know, and sending them out because there was a part of me that really wanted to take care of people and help them heal Mm -hmm. or flourish, you know, outside of the house. There was a little animal, right. Or a little buggy, but I think it's been in my blood is just really listening to that versus, you know, trying to do other things that were, that I thought would be great. But once I really quieted myself down and go, what do I really care about? What really makes me the most happy? You know, and at Handel Group, we talk about dreaming and taking your areas of your life and writing a dream in each area, because what that does is it starts to connect you to what you care about the most. And even in the beginning, if you're not sure what that is, I I think we keep evolving with how it shows up, what exactly we're doing it, what's the next step in the process. But writing a dream about it starts to have you articulate with language and feeling what you care about the most. And then that sets the GPS that keeps you going on the right path. Wow. I love that. We talk about that at Dharma Coaching Institute. And it's pretty much the same thing of kind of following the little breadcrumbs towards your Dharma. So like these little, little hints that you kind of pick up along the way. So maybe that was attending your first yoga class and like you felt so connected. Maybe that's part of your Dharma or when you helped an elderly woman cross the street, maybe you felt this like great feeling inside of you. And that kind of leads you like you said, the GPS, the same thing, kind of leading you towards living a more purpose-driven life. Yeah, and then staying curious while you do that, right? Because sometimes what I find is then people put the blinders on and it's like, Mm -hmm. that's a teacher, right? And in some ways, as a life coach, I'm a version of a teacher because I'm helping people really learn the tools that they can keep using and evolving as they keep growing in life, right? Because we're up to another challenge. We have to learn how to deal with it. We get the dream. We got to start dreaming bigger. Like it's always a process, but yeah. Yeah. We're always evolving. And I feel like that's part of, I guess, the downfall of society and kind of what we're conditioned to believe. Like you go to school, you go to college, you pick a major, you work a job in your major for the rest of your life. And that's what you do. But like, that's not realistic. That's not following your intuition. That's not honoring, you know, your involvement because people change and that's the way it's supposed to be. No one's supposed to be cookie cutter 
for the rest of their lives. I know. And then we live by this rule. So I was a dean at a college before I actually started um, working for a Handel group. And it always struck me how you come in as a freshman declaring a major when that's not the time to declare a major. Like you really should be curious and explore and, you know, play with the thing so you get a taste of what you like. And yeah. that's what I encourage my people to do is really like see what feels good. I love your phrase of following the breadcrumbs. You taste something, you see what that, do you like that? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Okay, let me integrate the parts that I like and now let me go taste something else and see what that feels like until you begin to grow this dream and then grow the process of evolving it. So yeah. when I first came as a coach, I'm like, oh, you know, um, I was my kids were getting ready to go to college. I'm like, I need to reinvent. I was getting divorced. I was like, I need to reinvent myself. And then, um, you know, figure out who I am. And then I say, okay, now I want to find love. And then I'm like, okay, now my mom gets sick. And I have to really, first it was my dad got sick and I really had to step up as a leader in my family. And then my mom got sick and I began to really care about how we help people say goodbye to loved ones and how we navigate that last phase of life. So it's like constantly growing for me, like what I love, what I'm dealing with in my own life as a, as an impetus for that. And then continuing evolving that process. Yeah, that is so, so beautiful. Um, I just wanted to kind of ask you, how do you help your clients kind of navigate through that end of life process or that caregiving process? It's it. I know from experience, I, like when I, it's a process. So there was a couple pieces. One is how do you take care of yourself through, if, if someone you love is at the last phase of life, it's an emotional, difficult time. And while you're doing the caretaking, as I've learned the hard way, you also have to navigate how you're taking care of yourself. And most of us go to caretaking and we forget about the self part of it. And you really need to balance the two. So I really encourage people to think about how they're going to take care of themselves through this process. And then I also have them think about what's the relationship what they want, that they want with the person. So, you know, where are they now? Where do, wanna, where do they want to evolve it to? Because thinking about where you want to go, writing the dream for that relationship with that person really grounds you in what you care about the most. So like when my dad got sick and I started to think about this and like, okay, I'm going to write a dream for my relationship with my dad. And my dad and I was, were always close, but this was a new level of a dream because I never really dealt with him in this last phase of life piece of it. And you know, I'm like, the dream that I wrote was like, we talk about the things that matter most to us. Like I take him to the bookstore so he can pick the books that he wants so he can share and, you know, grow while even in this last phase of life. So I literally wrote the dream from the context of, you know, growing my relationship with my dad and being his advocate for what he would really want and how he would, how he wants to spend this last, this last phase of life. And that meant I had to go have conversations with him. And for me, I'm like, 
oh, having the conversations was scary because I was living from the world was like, let's not talk about it because people are going to get upset. And then what I realized was it's not changing anything. Like my dad's still at the phase of life my dad is in, but by having those conversations with him, it was the game changer for my relationship. And I actually got brave enough to say to him, like, I'm going to forget the sound of your voice. And I'm scared about that. And my dad was like, wait, what did I tell you when you were a little girl and you saw a penny? I said, oh, you said that angels are talking to us. My dad would always go, oh, look, the angels are talking to us. So he's like, yeah, when you see a penny, you might not hear my voice, but you're going to always hear my voice. I'm going to always be talking to you. And that convert, that was a profound conversation for me because it opened the door for me to be able to say anything to him. And then for us to really talk about what I'm going to promise him moving forward and how I would be the matriarch and how I would take care of my mom and how I would be there for my sister and my brother. And then he got to tell me what he was worried about or what he cared about the most at the end of life. So it was a beautiful opening. But it only happened because one, I got clear on what I wanted for my relationship with him. And then I really had to go be brave, brave enough to have the conversations, which was new for me. Yeah, definitely being that vulnerable is so, so hard. I think especially with your parents and especially at their end of life. Like I can't even imagine I mean I went through my grandparents being sick and I was like 10 years old and then probably up to like 16 and like I didn't know how to navigate those feelings I didn't know you know there's so many things I wish I could have said or and it's just like people like you who have all this experience and these tools to help people go through this is like so needed and so beautiful and your whole story about the penny, I was like, I was getting chills. I was like, wow, like that's so just like so comforting. And like, it was so important that you were vulnerable with him and like talked about that because like you said, it opened you up to so many more vulnerable conversations and like so many important things you had to hear. Yeah. And even if, even if the person you love is gone already, what I tell people is you can still go talk to them. You could still write them letters like there is a relationship. It's not a relationship in a physical body, but there is a relationship there like that doesn't the spiritual context of that really allows the conversation to to continue. So, you know, what I encourage people to do is go write a letter and say what you want to say and it goes somewhere special that was special to them or special to you and go read it out loud because there is still an opportunity to say what you need to say. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that. I I still talk to my grandparents and actually it's so funny. The angels are always listening and they're always around. Not even like maybe a couple days ago, I was going around my house and I was near the pictures of my grandparents. And I was just kind of talking to them, praying to them, whatever you want to say. And I'm right near their picture together. And my mom has like a little like poem about like the end of life and kind of that. And I'm like just reading it. 
And all of a sudden I, I feel another hand on top of my hand. And then I feel almost like angel wings coming around and surrounding me and like feeling warmth and support. And like, I just knew it was them. And it's like, when you're open to this communication and you're still talking to them, it's amazing what signs they send you. I, yes. And then in fact, I even ask people, I love, okay, how are you going to come back? What sign you're going to, what are you going to, how are you going to show? Right. So my aunt Ruth was like, she called me the one day. She's like, I'm going to have to tell you something crazy. Can you call me back? So I call her back. She's like, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be a butterfly. I was like, oh, Aunt Ruth, I'm not surprised by that. Right. Cause her house is, you know, she had butterflies. I was like, I already figured that out, but yeah, even having that communication, but in the beginning it was hard. And I actually had to make myself a promise to have the conversation and to say one thing vulnerable and to, you know, be able to give myself the push to do that because the, my inner dialogue was like, oh, he's going to be upset. Don't say that. Why bother? Just keep it quiet. It's going to make more trouble. You're going to upset the person. Like, but that's not true. That's just the thoughts that I was thinking. But once I shushed them up and actually, you know, had the conversation, that's where it was game changing. So I, what I want to make sure people get is don't listen to your thoughts because they're going to tell you, don't have the conversation. Don't really say that. They don't really want to know. It's going to be really hard. Somebody's going to be really upset. And, you know, most likely that's just the advisory board that's keeping you playing small or scared, uh, you know, or not doing what you care about the most. Absolutely. It's, it's our ego and it's our voice in our head that just tries to keep us safe and small and comfortable. But when you stay safe and small and comfortable, you're keeping yourself from evolving and opening up to all these beautiful experiences. Yeah, it actually keeps you from getting the dream, right? So what I teach people is like this dream voice very often is really little and quiet because we've been disappointed so many times that we just dumb that dream voice down till it almost gets to a whisper. And those other voices are loud and, you know, they could take over. So we teach people that there are voices in your head and we call them the brat, the chicken and the weather reporter, just like to give them these names to like have you kind of giggle and get the joke of they're just voices. And what they actually do is they're dream killers, right? They really steal the dream. So they're loud and this voice is really quiet. But the more you practice speaking the dream out loud, reading it out loud, writing it for yourself, you're actually training that voice to get louder. So everything you do, you can start to ask yourself, is it in service of that dream? Is this in service of that dream? Which really helps you to decide yes or no, you know, for the right reason versus just listening to your thoughts like their truth or the way it is. Yes, definitely. I think a lot of my years spent in like high school and even the beginning of college, I was always listening to every little thought that would pop into my head. And it wasn't until I was able to differentiate, oh, that's just my ego trying to keep me safe. That's not reality. That's not true. And the more I started to follow my intuition and my gut feelings and listen to the ringing in my ears and the chills that I would get, 
was when everything started to kind of make sense and align. And it's crazy. It's like once I quit my job that I hated and I started doing things that I was passionate about, all of these opportunities started falling into my lap with like little to no effort. Amen. Right. And it really did take something to quit that job because you really had to shush the voices in your head and remember what the dream was. And those voices are convincing. Right. And you go, when I was in high school and college, I'm like, yeah, I'm still fighting those voices You know, at my age. Like they're constantly every day. I'm like, no, shush, you're not the dream. Right. And I actually have my dreams written out and I read my top dreams every day to remind myself, what do I care about the most? Where am I going? What's my focus? It really wakes up my heart so that I actually have a little bit of awareness and don't just believe those thoughts. Yes. So now when you say you read your dreams off every morning, is this something that you have written? Do you rewrite them? Do they change? I read them. Like I write them, I rewrite them every year. So usually in January, the beginning of the year, I sit down and I go, okay, let me think about this year. Where have I been? Where am I going? Sometimes the dream stays the same. Sometimes I've got the dream. You know, first for a while, I was like, I'm going to fall in love. I'm going to meet the, you know, my soulmate, the man that's my other half. Like, we're going to join our families. Right? So, you know, and then I found them, right? So then we got married. So now the dream is, you know, for this year, I'm writing a new home dream. Like, we got married three years ago on New Year's Eve. And so I have children. He has children. We're like joining our families together. But I'm, I rewrote a family, a home dream just from the context of now I'm building this home, this sanctuary that we have grandbabies, that we're growing our family, that there's healthy, delicious food, that we have, you know, friends of all varieties like show up and join us in this house. So sometimes the dream changes and then sometimes it stays the same for a little while while you're still working on it. But I write my dreams out in the top areas. So we take your life at Handel Group and we divide it into 12 areas. So, and for me, 12 areas was really important because some areas I was like, time, wait, that's an area? Like fun and adventure? I'm like, no, 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 fun and adventure. I thought that was just something that happens later, like a residual (laughs) versus like something you actually design and plan. Mm -hmm. So we take your life, we divide it into 12 areas and we start to have you write a dream for each area. And some areas are easy, you know, because you have those areas handled and you're shushing up the voice and you're taking the right actions. But other areas, one, it's hard to dream because the other voices are so loud. They're like, la, 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 la. You can't even hear the dream voice. But writing the dreams and then reading them every day in the morning, I get up, I, you know, I pray, I meditate, I read my dreams. And then I write out the day as if it's already done. We call it a daily design. And I send it to the other coaches, you know, for like power and for them to manifest with me. So that's my morning practice. So I do, I read my dreams in my top areas every morning just to get me, get my GPS back on track. Right. And remind me, like, what voice am I listening to? Because, boy, those other voices are loud, you know, and if I don't remind myself, they're winning. Yes, definitely. Oh, I love that. I might steal that from you. 
writing down the dreams and just rereading them because I think it's so important. We lose sight of what's our purpose? Why am I here? How do I want to change the world? What kind of impact do I want to leave? And we get caught up in our daily little tasks that we have to do every single day. So like kind of staying grounded and focused is like something that I'm really trying to work on myself. So I love that concept. Yeah. And it is really a process of writing and notice, right? Because sometimes when you start to write the dream, we sneak in all those little negatives. So when I'm writing my dream for my home, I'm like, oh, my house is going to be big enough that we all fit in it versus like my home is my sanctuary. And together in this warm, inviting place, we dream, create, play like the difference in that is is game changing. So you have to watch when you're actually crafting your dream to make sure it's not it's what you want versus what you don't want that, you know, there's no absolutes. Like we help you write the dream so that it's from that powerful place of what you want versus sneaking in the little digs or the worries or the complaints. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's really, really beautiful. And I think just like how you said, rewording, reframing, like those little mindset shifts change everything change the way that you see the world your dreams the way you see yourself absolutely and it, it's practice like what I keep telling people is writing a dream is learning a new language it's not how we've been taught just like in the beginning you're like oh how do you not call that bragging and how do you call that like being proud it's the same thing with dreaming most of us have been so ingrained to dumb our dreams down and talk about it from a very limited perspective that it is scary and uncomfortable to dream from a bigger place and to give language to it and to say it out loud. So I tell my clients, you're learning a new language, not a language you've been used to. This is a whole new language. And those other voices are going to try to sneak in there. But once you write it, now you're reading it from a perspective of shushing up those voices and having it be the gorgeous dream that like gives you goosebumps or, or inspires you, or sometimes it'll even move me to tears because it is so important to me. Right. But writing them is a very powerful way and writing them with the context of making sure there's no negativity and, you know, as difficult as it is, it's a skill that the more you practice, the better you get at which means the more you practice it, the more it's easier to go to what you want versus what you don't want. Yes. And you get in that habit of doing that. And then you start to really believe that you can achieve this dream. And it's not so much a dream anymore. It becomes a reality. Yes, exactly. And then so once you have the dream, once you catch the thoughts in your head, then we actually teach you like now you got to put right action in place. Now that's when it was like, okay, I'm going to have the conversation with my dad by Friday. You know what I mean? So like, I actually have a due date for myself, right? Which thank goodness I had because left to my own devices, I'd have been like next week, maybe, oh, this is a bad week. You know, it's the end of the month. I should really wait to the beginning of the month. Oh no. You know what? I'm going to wait to the middle of the month because then we're going to have a family dinner. It'll be then, oh, I'm going to wait to the end of the month, the family dinner. He's tired. Like, there's always something that I can convince myself for 
later for any action, for any dream. So that really helps to keep me on my own straight and narrow, you know, to take the right action to be in service of what I care about. Yes, it almost sounds like you kind of had to be your own coach and keep yourself accountable. Yeah, and that's what I love. Our method, we have an online digital course. So, you know, and it actually is you go through it at your own pace and you listen to these modules that are like mini podcasts. And then there's, you know, like the principle and then there's an example and then there's a place for you to actually write and do it. And then there's a more commonly asked questions little video podcast. So you actually can listen to it and go at your own pace and do this step by step for yourself so that you can hold yourself accountable, you know, and you could get a buddy in, in our community. So you have somebody else to play with and someone who understands the language and somebody who's really cheering you on for your dream because most of our friends are not cheering our dreams on. They're cheering us for other things. They think they're being helpful, but you know, my friends are like, oh, what's the, who cares? You can have a piece of cake when my dream is, you know, I, I'm, I wanna limit my sugar. I wanna be strong. I wanna move with ease. I wanna be able to lift up my grandbabies. I wanna be able to dance. Like that's the dream, right? So I need people cheering me on for, you know, doing what I care about. And that matters. So really have to find yourself a buddy who's making you a promise to hear your dreams and then literally cheer on those dreams for you. This was so, so amazing and beautiful. Thank you so much for being here and being on the podcast. Uh, Where can everyone find you? Well, in the show notes, we're going to have a a quiz that everybody could take. um, And that'll give you an idea of that our areas of life and what areas you're great at, what areas you need support with. Or you can find us at handelgroup.com, H-A-N-D-E-L-G-R-O-U-P.com. Or you can just email me at hildie at handelgroup.com, H-I-L-D-I-E at handelgroup.com. Um, we have social media, we're on Instagram, come follow us. We have really fun, fun reels, fun, fun, fun things, free offerings. Find us, right? Awesome. If you need me for anything, you can always find me too. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you want to contact me, it's Dharma Fit Coach, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok, and I'm also going to leave a link to my website. Have an amazing and blessed week.